0: I know. And we are a blessed house, aren't we? Oh, wow. What a, what a wonderful... Morning in the presence of the Lord and just enjoying one another, uh, one another's company today. Uh, we do hope that you'll stick around after uh, today. If you're not able to, we're, we are going to take up a second offering this morning for Mexico um, as we uh, prepare to go back down and, uh, to Puebla. So if you're not able to stick around and you want to donate through an offering, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that at the end of the service. Uh, but if you want to stick around and uh, have some tacos, you can do that. Um, or if you want to check out what. It's on the merch table back there. That will help us get to Mexico as well. So uh, what a privilege we have to serve the Lord and to take his name. Uh, Puebla is special to this house um, for several reasons. It's the last place that Mark and Sandra Smith um, were uh, located as uh, missionaries, a Smith family. Um, it's also where Mark passed away about uh, back in June. And uh, so during his, um, during his memorial, uh, the Lord prompted one of the ladies that had been part of this house for a number of years and had since moved on. Um, she sent us an offering in Mark's name uh, for several thousand dollars, and she said, I want you to continue what Mark was doing in Puebla. And we said, okay, we're going to find a way to do that. And so part of what we're going to be doing in this trip, in addition to the medical clinic, in addition to the VBS, in addition to, you know, haircutting or whatever else we're going to do while we're there, um, we're going to be looking for some sons and daughters for the gospel. And uh, we are going to find ways to uh, sow into their lives and build a connection um, with Puebla, Mexico, um, where Lighthouse will always be expanding its borders through Puebla um, because we want to put legs to Mark's legacy. And uh, so that's a lot of what's going on, and uh, we, we don't just do things in happenstance. We don't end up um, working in nations that we just kind of wandered our way in. Oh, we just thought it would be a good idea, and, uh, but we really feel like this is something the Lord is doing. And so thank you so much for partnering with us in that. Um, Today I'm going to be talking about expanding your own borders, expanding the borders of your life, pushing the the part of your life that God says you can have and you not allowing any limits on what God has said that you can have. And I'll talk uh, through that with you, but have you ever found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time? Have you ever found yourself moving into a space that you didn't know and then suddenly found out you were occupying a space you really weren't meant to occupy? That's happened to me. I want to tell you about a time that happened in 1985 when I was a much younger bloke. And I was in Alaska, I was uh, up there with my grandparents and my aunt, and we were visiting two sets of cousins. One set lived in Anchorage, the other set lived in Cordova. Cordova's a little fishing village, Anchorage is a a lot more developed city. Well, I got bored while in Anchorage, and I flew down to Cordova. My grandparents were going to come down and spend some time with me there later. And so I ended up in Cordova, which is a small fishing village, but it was really intriguing. It's right on the Prince William Sound, if you remember the Exxon Valdez a number of years ago. That's where all that happened, Prince William Sound, all that kind of thing. Well, I end up uh, going with my cousin. He took me to a, a cannery, a, f- a fishing cannery. If you're in a fishing village, everything has to do something, somewhere along the line with fish. So I ended up at a salmon cannery. And uh, so it was probably about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and I was looking for a job. You know, I'm like, eight, I don't know, 18, 19 years old. And, and uh, I, I, so I show up, and the foreman looks at me, and he says, come to work now, fill out the application at break time. So I'm like, okay, hey, I love it, you know, no no long interview, right? So I go in and I start working in the fresh market section of the cannery, fill out my application uh, later in the day, and it comes time for dinner time. Now, the, the, you got to understand the cannery is kind of like almost like a 24-7 deal. People live at the cannery. Uh, there are uh, the approach, the, about the five miles going into the cannery, there are tents all over the place where college students would just go and live in the tents. They could wash their clothes at the cannery. I don't know what they were washing them in. No, really. Uh, they, they had, uh, they had uh, you know, nice accommodations there at the cannery. They had uh, laundry facilities, a whole bit. It was really, uh, really amazing because they built a lifestyle around the fishing industry up there. And so uh, it comes dinner time, and I just look around a little bit, and I start following a crowd. They're saying, okay, the whistle blows, and we're done. And so we, I start walking, and I go into, uh, I go into this dining room. And this dining room is amazing. It's, it's crazy. You walk out of, out of the cannery. Everything smells like fish. You're walking out. You take off all of your, your rain gear, and you walk into this. And I'm talking about tables with china. I'm talking about linen tablecloths and folded napkins. I'm like, what is the deal? And then I look closer. There's prime rib on every plate. Jesus, I have gone to heaven. Can I just live here for the rest of my life, right? So I, so I, I go in and I find, a, I, I find an empty seat and I just go in and I sit down and I proceed to eat and everybody else is sitting around there and they're all eating and I'm eating and everybody's happy. They don't know me. I don't know them, but everybody's smiling <laughs> for a few minutes. And then they stop talking and they stop eating and I noticed, you ever get a feeling like something's crawling up the back of your neck, like somebody's looking at you, like all eyes are now on you? And there's a little short uh, Korean chef that walks out of the back. And I'm, I joke, I'm not joking. All joking aside, he's holding a meat cleaver. And he's standing behind me. <laughs> Korean chef, meat cleaver, standing behind me. Feels a little weird. And I, I kind of look over there. I can't do my my best Korean accent this morning. I can't do it. But he says, "What are you doing here?" I said, "Well, you know, it was dinner time, and I followed some people that came in, and I'm here." He said, "You're in the wrong place." I said, "Well, it's my first day. I've never..." He didn't really care. He didn't want to hear my excuses. Um, as he was talking, nobody else was eating, but I was scarfing down as much prime rib as I could get in my mouth. Looked like a looked like a big old chipmunk, you know. And uh, so then he's like, no, no, no. He said that this is the dining hall for the people that live here. The dining hall for the temp workers is over there. And he points, you know, out, oh, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and I apologize my way out, belly full of prime rib. (laughs) But I was in the wrong place. I didn't know any different. I was in in this certain place that I thought was for me, but it wasn't. But how many of you have ever found yourself in a situation that was actually a certain place that you didn't know? You thought it was an ordinary place, and suddenly you realized it was an extraordinary place. You, you wandered your way into maybe what we would call maybe a divine encounter. You wandered your way in. How did, how did I bump into that person today? How did this circumstance happen when I woke up this morning, I just thought this is going to be a boring day, and all of a sudden, wow, this situation takes place. You're right at the right time. You get picked you know, for, a, for a new job. You're in the right space at the right moment, and suddenly a door opens, and you didn't know how that happened. How, it just seemed like an everyday moment. And you found out it was an extraordinary moment. Anybody ever have that happen to you? I want to talk to you today about a Hebrew word. That's right, we're learning Hebrew today, so you're going to be uh, trilingual by the time you're done. You sang some Spanish, you sang some English, and today we're going to learn a Hebrew word. All right? We're really pushing the limits on what it means to be American right now. I want you to know. Most Americans only speak one language, right? Um, By the way, let me just ask, uh, if Spanish is your heart language is the one you grew up on would you just raise your hand in the back over here oh come on Linda put it up there come on yeah all right <laughs> Spanish your heart language okay um, did anybody notice that when Pastor Bernie started singing the song, the first song in Spanish that you kind of felt a little out of place, you felt like something's supposed to happen here but I don't know how to participate. How do I participate because I don't know that language? How many of you felt that? I felt that. I feel that every time I uh, another I've been in a lot of different nations and they, whenever they're singing praise and worship, I want to join in but I Struggle because that's not my heart language. Um, I, I, want, I want to just plant the seed there. That's how these brothers and sisters feel every Sunday morning. We're, we're just visiting there, but they feel that every Sunday morning because they want to express their hearts in their heart language, and we don't offer it here. And so I, I just want you to know that somewhere out in Gloucester County, there's a harvest of people whose Spanish is their heart language. And we're not reaching them because we don't currently offer that, but I think that ought to change. I think we ought to do something about that, you know. And it wouldn't matter if it was five people or 50 people or 500 people. They matter to Jesus, right? Just a thought. Um, Maybe we'll circle back around. But I want to talk to you about the Hebrew word pagah. Everybody say pagah. Now, the word pagah is the word that we would call, we would would say that word has to do with intercession. That would be the English translation of the word, but it's got some word pictures that go along with it that have to do with, Pastor Ken, you're just rambling, and what does this have to do with the title? I want my family back. Um, I'll explain as we get into the text a little bit here today, because the word's going to clear this up. Genesis chapter 28, verse 10, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran when he reached a certain place i've got that in bold in the notes when he reached a certain place that's the word pagah. he stopped for the night because the sun had set notice that jacob doesn't really know that the place is really amazing he doesn't really know that this is a place of encounter he adjust, he just thinks it's a good place to stop for the night why because the sun's setting Because he knows he's not going to be able to wander around in the dark. So he reaches a certain place, and the sun is setting. And it says, taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. And I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Does that sound vaguely like anything else that we've talked about in the past week or two? Last week, we talked about Abraham's life and how that Abraham was commanded of the Lord to go without knowing. And so he had to, he had to leave and go, and God said, I will show, and he walked through the land, and God said, I'm going to give this land. He, he marched a perimeter around the land. You remember that. He marched a perimeter around the land, and God said, I'm going to give you that land, and your offspring are going to be there. God's promise had two things and in, involved two things. Land and kids, land and kids, land and kids. Your offspring are going to inherit the land. Now, Jacob is his grandson. And Jacob is just, he's on a journey, and he's, he's uh, gone out there, and he just kind of meandering. He's just kind of going along. He doesn't really know uh, where he's going. He just kind of, he set out, and he goes, and then he lays down that night at this certain place, at this pagah, And in that moment, he has this dream. And in the dream, the Lord comes and says to him, God repeats the promise that was his grandfather's promise. He was sleeping on a word, and he didn't know it. He was sleeping in the place of an encounter, and he didn't realize it. He was living inside the perimeter of a promise that he was going to inherit from his grandfather, that God made to his grandfather." Are you with me? Abraham received the promise when he marched around it. Now Jacob is starting to inhabit it, but he was unaware. The promise was made before he ever came along. The promise was made between Abraham and God. You know, God makes the promise to Abraham, but Jacob's oblivious to it until he finds himself at a certain place. Until he finds himself at a certain place. I want to suggest to you something here. That just in the same way that Jacob had an inheritance that he didn't know was his until he found himself in the place of intercession, he didn't realize that the promise was made that he was going to, wouldn't you love to get a phone call? You've got an inheritance from uncle so-and-so, grandma so-and-so. You've got an inheritance worth it. And you were, all you were, you were in the family line. You are the next beneficiary. Yeah, everybody else has already moved on. They've already got, but you have this inheritance. This is the idea that Jacob, he has this encounter with God. And God says, I'm going to do this. He wasn't even telling Jacob, do something. Do this in order to get the inheritance. No, he found himself located at the place of the inheritance through this word, Pagah, he just, meet, he just went to a certain place. Let me take it a step further so you can understand this a little more. Psalm 16, verse 5 and 6. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I want you to think about what the psalmist is understanding about God. He's saying, God, I recognize that the perimeters you have laid out for my life are the perimeters that you have laid out for my life. That I'm in a pleasant place, God, because you put me in this pleasant place. That I have an inheritance that you have allotted to me. That it is established by you. It's not established by mankind. It's not established by my family line. It's not established by how smart I am. It's not established by the work of my hands. It's established by you, God. You establish the perimeter of my life. Are you tracking with me today? Can Is it possible? Here, here's, here's the question for the hour. Is it possible that you and I have settled somewhere Far into the perimeter that God has established for us and we have settled for less than what God says is our inheritance we have settled for less than you you uh, picture your life as a as a vast expanse that maybe can be measured in five hundred acres because we're just going to use metrics. Maybe you say I've got f- there's five hundred acres, but you actually only experience or live on a half an acre. But the other 500 is all yours. But you only you only concern yourself with that half an acre. Are, are you tracking with me? You, uh, wh- wh- where, where do we put limits on our life? Why do we allow ourselves to be limited? Well, it's because we don't understand pagah. We don't understand intercession. We don't understand what it is that God has, has set us in the earth to do. And so as a result of that, we, we miss out on things that God says, hey, this is yours, and we throw a temper tantrum. God, how come I don't have? And God says, it's yours. Well, God, I don't experience that, but it's yours. This is the struggle of faith. This is the fighting the fight of faith. He makes us a promise. He makes it available, but we don't experience it because we don't access it by faith and by faith. Intercession. So there's three word pictures I want to uh, share with you, and you can write these scriptures down. Uh, letter A, to extend the boundaries, Psalm 16, verse 5 and 6. And also Joshua 19, the word pagah is all the way through there. And so when, when they came into the promised land, God said to Joshua, this is how you divide the land. And he would say, Judah is going to live from here to here and from here to here. And then he would go down all of the tribes, and he would allot them the land that they had. You and I probably... If you own a home, you have a plat, and you know your boundary lines. You want to know what your boundary line is? That's where your neighbor stops cutting the grass. (laughs) I'm not sure where the boundary line is. It's exactly where they stop stop cutting the grass that's how you know and uh, and so the the reality of this uh, this whole thing for you and I is that one of the things that the enemy loves to do is he loves to diminish us he loves to push us back he loves to say no that's not your territory you can't have that territory he's a bully he says you can't have this your kids are gonna wind up like your uh, you know like your parents or your uncles or your aunts you know because they're of the same line and they're gonna have this and they're gonna have this and and so he wants to diminish Diminish your understanding of what the boundaries are. The second word picture for pagah means justice at the king's command. It's uh, the the word picture is found in 1 Samuel twenty two verses seventeen and eighteen. Is where the king uh, was uh, uh, you know really ordered his soldiers to go and slay some people. And so the king, because the king could make pagah, he could say. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna order you to do this and the, the people would go under the king's command and they would accomplish even up to, at that time, even killing people at that time. They were killing under the king's order. They were extending the king's reach. They were doing their job to, do, to extend what it was the king had told them to do. There are going to be times when you're going to be located in enemy territory in, in kingdom garb. You're going to be in the kingdom. There's no look of the kingdom anywhere around you. And in that moment, the king is going to say, I want you to step out here, and I want you to proclaim the word, or I want you to intercede, or I want you to step up and do this thing I've called you to do. When we were in Uganda in 2003, we were in the Rakai District. And the Rakai District is where the HIV virus came into the human population from the chimp population. Chimp hunters ingested the blood of the chimps, and they received HIV. HIV. And when they got HIV, that became ground zero for the HIV virus for the world. It spread from Rockeye on out. And there was a pastor that was there that had about 30 people in his congregation. His name's Eldad. And Eldad and I got to be friends in that meeting. And I remember waking up at an, a guest house with no water that morning. Uh, the guest house wasn't even finished. The fixtures were loose, just sitting in the rooms. Nothing, uh, nothing established there. There was a bed, and that was it, and some creepy crawlies. And I don't, you know, it was not a good night to sleep, I, I, I'm telling you. But I woke up the next morning, and a, a group of us gathered to pray, and the Holy Spirit gave us a prophetic word. These people don't have tomorrow. You have to bring the kingdom today. You have to bring the kingdom today. Right now is all you have because this is all they have. And so we had this sense of urgency about what we were to, to do. We began to walk and pray through that place. All over Rockeye. we prayed, we walked, we commanded evil spirits to bow the knee to the name of Jesus. We proclaimed the, the, the name of Jesus in prayer. And then God just began to do supernatural things. When we got ready to leave that day, we stopped by the AIDS hospital. There was about 15 people in there. Uh, uh, Sandra uh, McElfresh uh, uh, was there, Tom McElfresh. We went in. Sandy shared her testimony. I preached the gospel. In 10 minutes, all 15 people got saved. 10 minutes. Um, we prayed with Eldad he was concerned because there was uh, the king of Rockeye lived there and and uh, this this gentleman uh, there was a lot of mystery that surrounded him and he had all kinds of witchcraft kind of stuff that was happening in that that area and we just said the name of Jesus is invading this this space even now as we pray the name of Jesus is invading this space and we we proclaimed it and we uh, headed out of town within about uh within about 90 days Eldad went from 30 to 90 people in his congregation he had nine witch doctors show up in the middle of it of the day while he was praying and they brought all of their talismans in everything that they would do their incantations in and they said we want jesus and he says, okay we got it and it was you know it was uh the the prophets of baal and elijah he burned everything up right there in the floor of the church you know thank god for a dirt floor church he burned up everything and uh you know and uh, prayed the sinner's prayer with all nine of these all of these Uh, witch doctors and they got born again what happened we extended the, the the reach of the kingdom we prayed we paga we extend the the reach of the kingdom of god just because it's dark doesn't mean it was supposed to stay dark just because there's opposition doesn't mean that god's not still on the throne you and i have to extend the kingdom of god wherever we go that's why we're here And, but our world many times will say, oh, you can't do that. It's not, you know, it's not proper. It's not done. This is the way. Let me tell you the ropes. Well, let me tell you, sometimes when they're telling you the ropes, they're just putting limitations on you. Well, you raise kids in the 21st century. They just always sass to you. They just always, you know, they're all into, they're in their own world and it's a different time and it's a different day. Let me tell you, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And those that submit themselves to Jesus' lordship can have what he says they can have. And I don't think kids have to smart off to their moms and dads. I think they can learn submission just like the rest of us, right? That children need to obey their parents in the Lord for this is right. If it was right when it's written, it's still right today because Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So raise kids by the book, friends. Raise kids by the book. Don't listen to what the government's telling you. Raise kids by the book. The government's going to flip-flop depending on who's in charge. But the Bible never changes because we know who's in charge, right? And so we need to be people that contend for our families, to extend the boundaries, justice at the king's command, and then these chance encounters, these moments in time. I've got about two minutes to do 40 minutes worth of stuff. In just a minute, we're going to pray. And I'm looking forward to our prayer time because Jesus is going to do some healing work in people's lives today. He's going to do some delivering work in people's lives today. Do you believe that? I believe that. We're just getting started. Don't worry. Let's go. But for those of you that are filling in blanks, I'll I'll, uh, I'll submit to you. The first thing, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about having triple-A rated families. You need to look after the atmosphere of your family. It needs to be an atmosphere of godliness. There needs to be joy and caring in your home. Not a bunch of bickering, not a bunch of complaining, not a bunch of murmuring. You know, we, our kids learn from us, but if they don't learn that murmuring is a sin, even if it's murmuring against you, murmuring is a sin. Grumbling against, the, against authority means you're grumbling against the God who set, who set up the authority. God says all authority is established by me, right? So we've got to humbly understand that, that grumbling in the home, can't, you can't do it. It's not there. You can't do that. You can't operate that way. Because when you do, you create an atmosphere that is hostile to the things of God. And so you've got to learn how to, how to navigate that and create an atmosphere that is an atmosphere of joy and caring. Atmosphere of godliness, joy and caring, laughter and peace, encouragement. Moms and dads, you are the prophets of your kids' future. You are speaking prophetically into their lives. You're creating an atmosphere of either nurture or nitpick. And you got to decide which atmosphere am I going to set up in this household, which atmosphere am I going to want my kids to grow up in. You establish that. Nobody else establishes that. You have authority in that house to establish the right kind of an atmosphere, an atmosphere of encouragement. If you become their number one encourager, they will always come back to hear another word of encouragement. But if you become the person that browbeats them and nitpicks them and finds fault all the time, let me tell you, they're going to look for somebody else's voice that will say, man, i got to have something. What do I have together? What can I do? And and they're going to listen to a voice, and somebody else is going to have another agenda and speak their their love language, and guess what's going to happen? They're going to follow that voice be an encourager of your kids unity and loyalty celebration and blessing that that uh, an atmosphere of godliness and we just have to watch ourselves because let me tell you none of us are perfect i've got I, I i honestly i believe i have the best team here at lighthouse serving in this house and we've ever had together we just have a great time together i remember a number of years ago uh you know i had, we had a, a youth pastor here who was young he was doing a really good job but he was young and uh, I, we had a family uh that uh, they used to they used to eat him for lunch every day on on the on the way home and they would talk to their daughters about what was wrong with the youth pastor and why he was failing and what he was doing wrong and i found out about it and just, just this holy indignation rose up on the inside of me i said do you want to partner with your girl's demise do you really want to destroy your children Because you're talking about this young man that's been placed in authority over their life. And guess what? They're not going to pay a word's attention to what you have to say. Because you have just diminished the authority that the Lord has given. And you know what? They're going to say, well, if if mom and dad can talk like this about a, a man of God, about a woman of God, then why should we respect them? It'll come right back on you. Come on, church. We're better than this. This is something, atmosphere of godliness. Guard that in your home. If you've got murmuring, then get before the Lord and begin to intercede and say, you know what? No more. Fight the spiritual battle because that's where the power is. It's not by by doing your own. You You don't go fire with fire when it comes to carnality. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. You begin to pray. Before you talk to anybody about God, you better talk to God about men, right? You start there. You start there. Attitudes of goodness. Attitudes of goodness. You know, if you're going to have a AAA rated, uh, uh, you know, family life, you need to be minding the attitudes that are happening in your world, and you have to start with your own. Don't try to correct somebody else's attitude when you got a bad one. Don't try to fix somebody else. You know, that's the, that's the, the speck in your brother's eye when you got a log in yours. Go, go get before Jesus. Get your joy back. Get your attitude where it needs to be. And then you'll be able to navigate. Stop. you got a bad attitude. What's the matter with you? Huh? Don't we kind of? Huh? All right. Say amen or oh me. Created, you know. Have attitudes of goodness in your house, confidence, positivity, strength. Lastly this morning, activities of growth. We need to have activities in our, in our families that go beyond the, the, the screens, that go beyond the internet. We need to have activities that are activities of growth, that promote uh, the, the expansion of our young people's minds in a positive way. To help them understand what's going on in the world. You know, the more you learn, the more you earn. Did you know that? And I'm not just saying you've got to have some kind of college education next to your name. There's all kinds of smarts in this world. There's all kinds of learning, but you've got to be a lifelong learner. You've got to, you've got to position yourself to learn lifelong. I don't care if that's, Zig Ziglar used to call it, enroll in automobile uh, uh, automobile university where you're listening to tapes and CDs and files and whatever it is that you can listen to, but you need to grow, You need to grow in the fear of the Lord. You need to have activities where you're talking about the things of God. You need to grow in those activities. Oh, it's got kind of quiet in here. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Activities of growth oriented toward healthy living. Teamwork skills. Moms and dads, if they're just isolating themselves all the time, you got to be the glue to pull them together. And you got to say, hey, we gotta, let's, let's find a project that we can work on together. You know, the things that happen in kids' minds were that when their brains are forming, they, they need to have that uh, recurring, oh, it feels good to do good work. Pride in work well done is not wrong pride. Are you with me? When you do a good job and you get that sense of satisfaction from doing a good job, our kids need to learn that. But if they're never taught how to do a project, if they're never taught how to use the tools, if they're never taught to sit down, okay, this is how you, this is how you handle money, this is how you balance a checkbook, if they're never taught how to do things, then they're gonna find that reward circuit works really well on every game that they can play on the video game. Because that's what it is, it's just a reward circuit They get rewarded, they feel good, they play another level They get rewarded, they feel good, they play another level You know, that same thing can be done For learning how to mow the grass For learning how to bake or cook Or keep a room clean Whatever the case may be That reward circuit But you have to establish it In their little brains You're forming people, you're forming human beings Small disciplines Create freedom So learn to have those kind of activities in your household, those activities, those disciplines that create freedom. If you were to learn piano, if you just played scales every day, every day, every day, at one level, you would be bored out of your gourd, but at another level, your muscle memory would start to kick in, and pretty soon, you wouldn't have to think about what you were playing anymore. You would just do it. It would just happen over and over, and there's an amazing freedom that takes place when you don't have to think, when your brain doesn't have to pause, It's just automatically translated And there's a freedom that to flow over the keyboard That can begin to happen Discipline is that way It starts out kind of hard Oh, I don't know if we're ever going to get them through this phase Of cleaning their room or making their bed Or or doing that It starts hard I get it, I get it, I get it But once it gets to the habit stage It happens without thinking and then the satisfaction of, oh, my room's clean. Oh, I can I can make this meal. Oh, I can, all the satisfaction, the freedom comes after the discipline phase, right? Y'all don't believe me. I can tell there's there's some unbelievers in this room right now. There's some unbelievers in discipline right now. Here's, here's the thing we're gonna end with this morning. I'm gonna invite any of our uh, prayer counselors to come up and stand this morning. Here's the thing i want you to understand earth can have what the king has purchased you can have what the king has already purchased for you he's waiting for you to take it the devil doesn't want you to have it he doesn't want you to know that you have any authority at all but you know the bible never says that god took man's authority even in the garden when, when sin entered in, Adam still had his authority. In fact, if he hadn't had his authority, God wouldn't have had to have run him out of the garden because he said if he eats of this tree over here, then he's going to make this, uh, this situation that he's found his own soul in permanent. If Adam had no authority, then that sentence makes no sense. But God had to run Adam out of the garden because he still had authority, and you have authority in your home too. But when you place yourself under the authority of the blood of Jesus and the triumph of his cross, you can expect that the powers of hell will be pushed back. Think about this. What words describe your family atmosphere today? Are they pleasing to the Lord? Is it of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Do we see ever-increasing faith in our home, or do we see more doubt? Do we see more bickering? Do we see more mumbling? What is it that, the, that you want in your home? Get the prayer of agreement this morning before you go. What attitudes are pervasive around our dining room table? Are there attitudes of respect? Are there attitudes of submission? Are there attitudes of, uh, you know, uh, kids that are wanting to learn, wanting to grow? Are they, are they disrespectful? What activities are drawing us closer together? What are the activities that by the time we're done with those activities, we feel closer to one another? Moms, dads, you gotta, you got to create that glue in the home. The Lord can help you to do that, right? Can we stand this morning? The altars are open for prayer this morning. Really feel like the Holy Spirit wants to heal somebody of migraines this morning. That could be one. That could be several. There's some people, there's uh, one woman in particular, the Holy Spirit was witnessing this. Migraines have been an issue, stress-related. I want you to come and receive prayer this morning before we leave this morning. Holy Spirit wants to minister right now. If you need prayer for anything, you just want to pray about the week, come and pray this morning. If you need something from the Lord specifically, maybe it's healing for your body, step out from where you're at. Let one of our prayer uh, counselors pray with you this morning before we leave. Father, we just thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Would you just bow your heads all over this place. Lord, we thank you for the working of your spirit. We thank you, Lord God for the power of intercession that you've made available to us, that we can extend the King's arm to circumstances that we are powerless to, but Lord, you're not powerless. You said, with God, nothing is impossible. So Father, we just ask you right now in the name of Jesus to give us a vision of the perimeter of our life, God. Lord, family members, well-meaning family members didn't want us to get our hopes up and so they, they put doubt into our hearts. They told us we'd never go beyond this. We'd never get here. We'd never get to that place. But Lord, you never said that. Father, I just pray this morning that we would see the perimeter of our lives expand. Father, I pray for the moms and dads who have kids still in the home and and they're they're battling the atmosphere that's pervasive with uh, with the the. Uh, with the disrespect that's in our world, the permissive atmosphere of sexuality. Father, we just cover our homes in prayer right now. We plead the blood of Jesus over every household. We plead the blood of Jesus over every family member, over each one of these children. God, we claim their lives for you. We believe you, Lord God, that they will arrive at an altar of marriage one day and they will be virgins and they will be debt-free because they refuse to believe what this world had to offer. They refuse to believe that they should sell themselves uh, short on what it is that God had put on the inside of them. Father, they refuse to believe the buy now, pay later mentality. God, we believe you for that. Lord, we claim all of our kids for the gospel. We claim all of our kids for you, Jesus. Lord, you have given them to us and we give them back to you and we contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints in the name of Jesus right now. Come on, saints, all over this place. If you're next to your spouse, would you just take hands with them right now? Father, we just pray over our husband and our wives right now. We pray over them right now, Lord God. We believe you, Lord God, that our relationships were meant to model the love of Christ for his church we believe you lord god that in this room there are multiple pictures of the love of god for all of humanity we believe you right now lord god that our marriages lord god would be a a, would be a, a technicolor view lord god of what it could be to have jesus living and abiding in a home god that we would be those people lord god that would demonstrate the gospel through our marriages In the name of Jesus. Lord, husbands, would you just pray over your wife right now? Would you just pray a blessing over them? Lord, bless our wives. Lord, we want our wives to to be radiant. We want them to be nurtured. We want their lives, Lord God, to be so full of the joy, so full of the wisdom of God. Lord, I thank you for our wives. They are the favor of God on our lives. We pray for them today, Lord God, that they would have everything that they have need of, that we would be the men that they need us to be. Father, we cover them in prayer today in the name of Jesus. Lord, expand their perimeters, God, of their lives. May their lives be fulfilling in every way in the name of Jesus, we pray right now. Jesus' name, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to invite the ushers to come just now. We're going to take up a special offering for Mexico. And uh, if you can stay with us for, for tacos, that would be wonderful. Uh, But let's pray a blessing over this offering right now as we extend our borders into Puebla. Let's pray that God gives us legs for Mark Smith's legacy in the days to come. Father, bless this offering. We thank you for the privilege that we have to preach the gospel to the nations. It is our calling. It is our destiny. Lighthouse exists to uh, make life-giving communities where people love to belong, and we can do that here in the States. We can do that in Southeast Asia. We can do that in China. We can do that in Mexico. We pray your blessing on this offering that will help us to go and take the gospel to people who desperately need it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you as you give. You're dismissed as the offering goes by you. Hope to see you over in the Verge building for some tacos. See you soon.